but it, hopefully it'll be a good reminder, as well as um, maybe a help of how sometimes the Lord communicates to us. And when we're done speaking about faith, that's where I really want to move into and recognizing how he communicates and speaks. I mentioned a few weeks ago, I think, maybe last week, I lose track of time, I'm sure we all probably do. Um, I talked just briefly about prophetic preaching and what that is. And it's not only in the moment saying what you're hearing or doing what you're seeing. But it also can play out in a number of days and weeks and months. So, prophetic preaching would also include specific things that we're preaching and teaching in preparation for what's to come. Not just going through a bunch of topics on a yearly basis that are all good and well, but preparing for what's about to happen. That's, that's prophetic preaching too. And, it, and you can do it without even being aware of it. If you're just walking in tune the best you can with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to share with you, um, I had a a vision this morning just a few minutes ago. It's a very simple one. But I I wanted to take time instead of giving it at the microphone while we were in that time. I wanted to use it as a little bit of an illustration, an example, in hope to bring maybe some more clarity and teaching on how that kind of works when we have visions or a dream. Um, and I, I have made lots of mistakes in my life with uh, many things. But in walking with the Lord, I've, I've stumbled and tripped. and not, I'm not talking about getting into sin, but just making mistakes, right? Just trying to figure out what He's saying and misunderstanding the dreams He's given or the visions He's given or speaking a word to me, and all of a sudden I run off with it without really understanding. Does everybody understand kind of what I'm saying? And, and so I had this, this vision this morning. Like I said, it's very short and easy. And um, I caught myself in the middle of this with, the, uh, with an interpretation. So here was the vision. Now, I'll start off by saying this. A lot of times God speaks or communicates to us I do want to say, when I say God speaks, I'm just talk, talking generally how He communicates. I'm not talking about hearing His His audible voice, which I have never heard His audible voice. But I've heard words in my heart so strong, they got my attention and I thought they were you know, audible. Um, so this vision, I, and, and, and the way God speaks to me a lot is He'll use things, and I know He does this with a lot of people, He uses things we are, uh, that are common to us, that we understand, because He speaks to us personally on, on, on our own level. So I grew up uh, in New York on Long Island, and we lived right on the coast, and we had a canal in the back, and it was a clamming community. So it was a working community on the water. You know, my friends' dads, my dad didn't, but and I. Once I got a boat, I started doing it, and that's clamming. And depending, you can make pretty good money doing that. And so, uh, growing up on the water and ha- being around boats and having boats, sometimes the Lord speaks to me by boats. Okay, I just said that because that's. So this vision I had this morning, I was on a boat, but all I could see of it was the bow, the point of the bow, and maybe a, a couple feet. And you've all seen boats or been on a boat and how a boat goes through the water. It plows water and it sheds these these waves back. And then if you look behind in the stern, it's usually pretty calm because the boat is plowing the water. And so all I saw was the boat, the bow and the plowing of the water. And immediately my mind went on to what the boat was doing. It was plowing water. And I was thinking about, what is, is this really from the Lord? And 
what is he showing me? But I'm, I'm doing all of that, and this all happened within seconds, okay? And I'm doing all that realizing I'm the one trying to interpret this. And, it, and it, it hit me really quick, and I said, Lord, what are you showing me? And, and it, it's so easy to do that when we have dreams or visions or we hear things. Without getting clear understanding, we just automatically believe that it's this, one thing or whatever we interpret it as, without the Holy Spirit showing us, and go off with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so my... And that happens with me a lot is when I see things, I, I focus on the effect of it. And sometimes God's not speaking necessarily the effect of it, but maybe something else that he's showing. So, and like I said, this all happened in probably 10 to 15 seconds. That's how, you know, just, and I said, Lord, what are you showing me? And I heard the word Breaker. Breaker. Now, that's not necessarily in Scripture, but that's not necessarily all that important either. It's what is God saying right now, and what is He speaking? And so, this is what what came to me. And have you ever heard that word "breaker" in a in a you know term used in our circles that there are those that are Breakers, like I said, that's not a scriptural term. We can't pull that out of the Bible and say, you know, God's, that's what you are. Yeah, it's breaking up fallow ground or Micah 2.13, the word breaker. Okay, good, excellent. So what I heard when I, when I took the second to say God, what are you showing me? What's, what is this without trying to self-interpret? Um, I heard bands of breakers come forth and assemble. From the four corners come forth. Some will break small, some will break much, and all are needed. So I declare that word from what he was showing me. Breaker, bands of breakers come forth and assemble. From the four corners come forth, some will break small and some will break much. All are needed. Now here's another temptation. That when you hear something or see something. So first let me just repeat again. When I saw that bow breaking water, my focus was on what it was doing. Which is not necessarily bad, but it wasn't necessarily what the Lord was wanting to show me specifically. Because if I would have self-interpreted it, the word would have been different. And I would have still thought it was from the Holy Spirit. See what I'm saying? Because the, the word that he was speaking that I got was just breakers coming forth. It wasn't specific on what the breakers are to do. See what I'm saying? But if my focus was on what it was doing, and I self-interpreted it, my word would have came out about what they're to do. But that's not what the Lord said when I took a moment. I hope that... The second thing is... And, and that, this is how I do it. It, 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 it. it could be completely different how you do it. But when I got that word, sometimes if, I'm, if I just relax for a minute and be patient, sometimes the Lord adds to it. So I wrote down, and I usually write down words that, are, that I get because I don't want to forget them and I want to give them exactly how I heard it. Because I'm, I could be, you know... We all can have, we hear something, and then when we repeat it, it's not really what he said. So that's how I do it. I write it down. And a lot of times when I write it down, and I'm just patient and focused on him, he'll either add to it or tweak it. And I'm not telling you you have to do it. I'm just giving you an example of how I typically do it. And he added to that. 
But here's the thing when you give a word that's very, very, very important. Is give what you hear and that's it. Don't try to explain it. Teach from it. You know, give. that's the word. Now, I'm using this as an illustration of how it came in the process of interpretation. But the word is, bands of breakers come forth and assemble. From the four corners come forth. Some will break small, some will break much. All are needed. I'm not going to define that because the Lord didn't define that to me. But I know when I was young in getting words like this, because the temptation is you have this strange word, right? You, you know, the Lord speaks. And, in, and immediately sometimes it's like people aren't going to understand what this is. So the temptation is to add some things to help with the interpretation when that's not the point. It's, it's not the point. How many times, even when Jesus taught, did he say something and never gave the understanding and left? Did it all the time. But see, within our church you know, realm now, it has become so heavily focused on teaching and understanding that we have to break things down to minute, minute pieces of food to feed it. That we've left people with very little to do on their own. Because we've got this whole pastor thing wrong in the sense that the pastor's job is to feed the flock. We've, we've taken this shepherd sheep thing way too far. It, the shepherd's job is not to just feed or, or, or give. It's to help people feed themselves. Like a parent would do. You don't, you don't want your 30-year-old child... Well, maybe you do want them to keep coming to your house and feeding them. But you, you take care of, you, you teach them so they can be self-sustaining on their own. Yeah. <laughs> the, the 30-year-old coming home and eating? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Does that help at all or make any kind of sense in... That that breaker, um, all right, broke, break and broke. Um, <laughs> we have our lake service time coming up really fast. It's September 10th, Sunday, September 10th, and Sarah has a sign-up sheet for the food items that we need for that. That's be at Blue Springs Lake Shelter B. We've done that off and on, mostly on, for the 24 years we've been in existence, and it's always fun and a good time. So we'll meet out there at 10 o'clock, just like we do here. Well, for, for some of you it's 10 o'clock, some others it's 10.15 or 10.20, but whatever. Um, but it, we'll meet at 10 o'clock and, uh, and eat together and share together and have, a, have, have some fun, some fellowship. You know, it's so important um, that... We get to know one another on a much deeper level than just every Sunday, hi, how you doing? And the, the larger your congregation is, the much harder that is to do, except in smaller groups, right? Um, what, just one of my, among many reasons why Jesus had 12 and not, you know, a 12,000 you know, group. Um, on my way here this morning... Uh, Man, did anybody get into the middle of some really heavy downpour, like hard to see? I hit that, a spot in Blue Springs on I-70. And, and it's interesting sometimes with me, the Lord, uh, I've had this happen a couple times. Like I, I get in these driving situations where I need to pay attention and the Lord begins talking to me about something completely different. Has that ever happened to you? Like, And um, so anyway... At, some of the things that came to me, and this is the part that I have, I've talked about a lot, that I want to talk about some more, because we have some people that are newer to our congregation and may have not ever heard me say this or talk about it, but it, it also helps with understanding of why we do what we do on Sunday morning. 
And so that all began, this whole change began um, probably, two, I don't know, what, 12 years ago, 14 years ago, something like that, when I received some deeper, much deeper revelation on uh, the term ecclesia and what Jesus said he was actually going to build. And I, I, uh, I had a conversation with a, a guy in politics this week that's also a Christian, and he asked about the church, and so that's always an interesting question to me, you know, to explain what we do, because most churches are pretty uh, cookie-cuttered, right? And I'm not saying that's bad or anything. I'm just saying that's the way it is. Most churches have the same, and we have a lot of the same type of, of format but with some differences. And uh, so anyway, I got into this talking to him about what Jesus actually said he was going to build. And that's always fun for me because I love to see the expression on people's face when you start talking about it and how different it is from church. And then the questions that may or may not arise from that. So I'm going to ask a question and then I'll, I'll answer it as well. But what is the main purpose of ecclesia, when we gather to assemble, what's the main? Pur- I'm not saying church now. What's the main purpose for an ecclesia to gather or to assemble? Just think about it for a second. Yep, that's definitely a purpose. There's there's quite a few purposes, but the main there's one main purpose for an ecclesia, to gather and to assemble. And then there's a lot of other reasons that we do that. The other reasons would be teaching, building each other up in love, uh, prayer, all of these, fellowship, all of these kinds of, of things that we see, eating meals together, communion together. The main purpose of ecclesia when we gather is to hear from God so we can speak and act for God. That's the that's the main reason. When you guys were together praying? Hey, what's the verse? I got to write that down. Amen. Against all of the enemy's attacks of unfunctional relationships to bring you into a real relationship, into an intimate relationship with one another. So that's what God is doing. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Now, yeah.
Amen. Amen. I love that. All right. So let's do a little bit more illustration teaching. Okay. Because this was actually absolutely beautiful. And, and this, this has been, I'll use the word my dream when we gather, because it's what the Lord has spoken, what he wants to happen, I believe, at least part. And that's what we've been practicing with the microphones. Because for Ecclesia to function appropriately, there must be participation. It, it can't just be one person all of the time speaking. There, there has to be participation because if we put it in, because Ecclesia is a governmental word, if we put it into a legislative assembly, every one of you are legislators or judges. In the government of God. So you are delegates of the, the government of God. Every one of you that are born again and are specifically filled with the Spirit have the ability to hear clearly from God and to speak what He's saying and to act on what He's showing you to act. So here's, and I get excited about this, and it doesn't have to, I don't even have to be involved in this. So make it plain. But me sharing my word is part. Because the Bible says we all see in part and prophesy in part. That means none of us have the whole picture. And even when we get into a congregational setting like this, there are thousands if not millions of congregations all over, right? And if we are all ecclesias, God has a particular function for this one. That's going to be different from the one across the street or next door. And, and, and they may not even, even with their, the form of assembly may look different. That's why I've always resisted telling people what it's supposed to look like, except just giving principles. And then you, because, you know, when you, when you look at what Jesus said and talked about, about the ecclesia, he didn't say, okay, when you get there, it needs to start at 10. You need to have soft chair. You got to have air conditioning. You need to do music first and then announce it. He didn't lay any of that stuff out. So we have a ton of freedom to function and the form in which within the principles he's laid out to happen. So I give this word that I hear. And then what happened? Rex got up and added to what they're hearing. And, and Lori added what she's hearing. Now what's happening? We see in part and prophesy in part, and more parts are coming together to get a bigger picture of what God's trying to communicate to this group. That, that, I'm going to go run. I'll be right back. This, that's, to me, a beautiful picture of what He's wanting to do with us. Because right now, like if this was we're done for the day, I'm sad. Like I'm so satisfied with what the Lord just is saying to us. And you know where it really begins? It begins in our own personal walk with the Lord and being sensitive to Him and just paying attention to Him, being aware of His presence 24-7. Man, just so good. I, I had a bunch to say about Ecclesia, but I think that, I just, that was it. That's it right there. That's the main, the main thing. We're gathering together to hear from Him so we can speak and act for Him. Not just today, but tomorrow and Tuesday and those kinds of things. And we have always done the best we can in trying to create a safe place for all of us to practice this. I need a safe place because I'm not perfect and I don't say everything 100% accurate and perfect all the time. And I've told people before, in this building, since we've taken over, nobody's made more mistakes from the pulpit or the microphone than me. Because I'm the one that spoke most of the time. So, making mistakes is not sin. I would much rather have any one of you get up to the microphone, or if you're nervous, say it from your seat, what you think you're hearing, and, and be wrong, than not try at all. And not do it. 
Because the more we're in that, this atmosphere, uh, atmosphere and the more we, we practice doing this, the, the more comfortable. I know when I first started stepping out, let me tell you a, a way the Lord, uh, and this was before we started New Covenant, and, 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 he, and He's not necessarily going to do it like this to you if, you if you're not used to this, but this is how He did to me to train me. And, and, and He probably did that because I need more help than, than mo- most people. And um, in, in, a, in a public, ga- and I'm just talking about specifically public assemblies or church services, a gathering, that I would begin to hear a word that I wouldn't normally use. For instance, I remember one off the top of my head, uh, and, and, and he started with health issues, that I heard this word heart palpitation. I, I, don't, I use the word now palpitation mainly because of that. But that's not a word back then I would normally use. You know, I would say a heart murmur, a heart skip. My English is very plain, as you well know. I wouldn't use the word palpitation, but that's the word I heard. So it caught my attention. It caught my attention so much, I wasn't even sure what that word palpitation meant. And the person next to me, I said, hey, what's this word mean? I was assuming that it meant, you know, like a heart skip and, you know, kind of beat problem. And that's what they told me it was. And then the next time it happened, it was something else. There was one time I remember asking Pam um, because I actually saw what was a pan- an actual pancreas. I had the vision of a pancreas dripping. Um, what's that stuff people need? Insulin. Dripping insulin. And I went to Pam being a nurse. I said, I said hey, I've got to explain this to you, what I saw. I think it's a pancreas. And I explained how it looked. And she goes, yeah, that's what that is. I did. It was you. I, yeah. So I'm saying all of that to say that's how God began to train me by using words and different things that um, there was a blood thing, a blood issue somebody had that I, I'd never even heard of it before. I had to ask somebody because you know, sometimes you think yourself is weird. Like, what is this? You know, what, what, what kind of word is it that even makes sense? And so he did that a number of times, and then I got used to how he communicates, not just what he's saying, but how he communicates to me. You see, that's how he was training me on a personal level. And then I I began to, and not that I'm perfect with it, but began to understand a little bit more of how he is showing me things. And it takes time. It takes practice, you know, of, of listening and you can, and hearing and and saying, I mean, I get this breaker thing. I've, I haven't thought about breaker for years. I mean, not even the word. And these guys prayed about that this morning and used the scripture. And you, you see what I'm saying? And how uh, important it is. So here's something that is interesting. It's Acts, Acts chapter 15. We're still on the topic of faith, although this is not a specific message that I had ready for today, because everything involves faith, that this one has been uh, a little difficult for some people to, to, to swallow or to take or to even understand. And I've shared this with pastors and some pastor groups in the past. And just like the message of Ecclesia, people just kind of look at you like trying to figure out what you're actually saying. So... But I'm used to it now because it's happened a lot, and, and it's okay. But I hope all of us just want to seek the truth, whatever the truth is, whether I've been believing something that's true for years and it's ingrained, and all of a sudden I find out it's not, that we're willing to change. That, yeah. And it's really difficult a lot of times when we've been living something for so long that we believe the truth, it's hard to change. So this has everything to do with prayer because the core of ecclesia is not, you know, it's to hear what God is saying so we can go speak and act for God. But to do that, it's prayer. Prayer is not just what we've been taught in church of what it's supposed to look like. The word prayer means what? Communication, but more specifically, it's communication with our Father. 
So when we talk about prayer, like if I'm going to have a discussion with Chris, I don't call that prayer, even though we could because it's communication. But the word prayer is really I'm having communication with my father. So that is what Ecclesia hinges on. It's having communication with father. Communication is not just speaking, but it's also listening. It's speaking and listening. He speaks. I listen. I speak. He's listening. We're having communication. And when, when Jesus talked about Ecclesia in Matthew 16, it was when he said, who do you say that I am? And then Peter immediately pipes up and says, you're the Messiah, son of the living God. And, and that's all he said, right? What did Jesus say? He got his attention. He said, no flesh and blood spoke that. You didn't hear it. You didn't get it from any man. You got that right from my father. So Peter could have been, I, I don't know, he could have been unaware that he was even hearing from Father. Because that happens. But that is what was happening. He heard from Father and he spoke what he heard. Even if he did it by, you know, let's just say accident. He just wasn't aware. It doesn't matter. But it's, it's better if we're aware and we know we're having that communication from God and so we can speak more accurately, more often with what we're hearing from God. But the point is, he spoke exactly what he heard from Father. That right there is where Jesus began to say that he's going to build his ecclesia. So the prayer or communication with Father, saying what you're hearing, is the core of ecclesia. Because we can't speak for God and act for God if we're not hearing from God. Understand what I'm saying? So it's prayer. And the Bible talks about different types of prayer and different forms of prayer. The only time Jesus talked about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount or, or uh, gave a prayer outline uh, that men have, uh, have uh, identified as uh, the Lord's Prayer. But it's a prayer outline. In there, he said, may your will, speaking to Father, may your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Now, it doesn't take a really smart, you know, doctorate degree level person to understand that in heaven, God's will gets accomplished 100% of the time. There's only one time we know of where an angel decided to, you know, rebel and it didn't last long. He didn't stay up there for thousands of years and working it out with God. No, he was out. So God wants His will to be done on earth. And Jesus gives us that prayer of communication for that. Why? So we can hear what His will is for us and speak it and act on it. Not just to include it in our prayer like, Father, Your will. Well, how's God's will going to be done if all we're doing is just praying but we're not willing to act? Well, somebody else will get it done. Well, I'm praying, but somebody else will do it. No, because when we're praying, God may speak to you. I want you to do thus and so. But we've got to have that communication to both speak and to listen, to hear what he's actually saying. So in Acts chapter 15, and I'm going to read probably a large portion of this. Okay, you ready? Verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had a great dissension, I wonder what that was like. They had a great dissension. And debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders Concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent on their way by the ecclesia, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the ecclesia and the apostles and elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the, Mos uh, of the Pharisees 
who had believed stood up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. So Gentiles were receiving Christ. They were getting born again. And now you have this one sect saying, well, to be officially saved, you've got to be circumcised. So the debate now is, do we require Gentile circumcision? And that's why the, the um, um, Paul and Barnabas go to Jerusalem to meet with the other apostles so they can have this council. This council is a high-level ecclesia assembly. That's what this is. They're coming together to determine the will of God in this particular matter. And I'll say this right now. What they decided at this meeting, every one of us still abides by. Okay? So, verse 5 again. Some of the sect of Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them, to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Verse 6, the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by, the mouth, uh, by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them. You know what that is, really? That's the formation of the one new man right there. <laughs> Cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? What a great question. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. All the people kept silent, and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God has done through them among the Gentiles. Now, what has happened so far? There's debate. There is testimony. There's questions. In other words, what's going on at this assembly is communication. They are communicating in this assembly with one another. After they stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Now, James had authority in Jerusalem because he was the apostle in Jerusalem. And James says, Brethren, listen to me. Simon has related how God has first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. With this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. Now, what is James doing? He's taking the testimony he heard, lining it up with Scripture, and he's going to read the Scripture. After these things, I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen. And I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. Now, what's he saying? This is the time of the rebuilding. The Gentiles are more than welcome to come in. The formation of the one new man. But the point really is, in this assembly, they are communicating. The apostles are speaking, giving testimony, sharing of what happened. Why? Because they're debating what? Circumcision of the Gentiles. They're making a major decision that all of us are going to be affected by. James, the apostle of Jerusalem, stands up. I've heard the testimony. Here's the Scripture. Therefore, in verse 19, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they abstain from fornication, from what is strangled and from blood. For Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him, since he is read in the synagogues every, every Sabbath. In other words, you want to go hear Moses? Go to the synagogue. He's read every week. Verse 22, then it seemed what? Good. To the apostles and the elders with the whole ecclesia that was gathered. To choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas and Barabbas, Barsabbas, <laughs> sorry, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they sent this letter by them, so on and so on. 
describing what the letter is. Now, they gather to discuss circumcision to the Gentiles. Major decision, wouldn't you agree? That it has affected every generation since, and we're still living under what they decided in Jerusalem. Why? Because that was God's will. I think it was a major breakthrough, and here's the reason I brought it up. Because what were they doing? They were communicating. With who? One another. There is this major decision that they just make, and there's no mention of prayer. There is no mention of fasting and prayer. But I would submit to you the mention, the lack of the mention of prayer and the lack of mention of fasting is inconsequential because they were praying the whole time. We have been taught to pray a certain way. Prayer looks like this. Do you know what we're doing right now? Technically, we're praying. Because I'm doing my best to hear what the Father says and saying it. Because He's here. He's in me. He's in you. He's not excluded from our, our communication or our conversation. He's right in the middle of it. This is just another form of prayer. That's why on Wednesdays a lot of times we sit around and we're all talking. But we have to understand if we're aware of the presence of God when He's in us, that we allow the Lord to guide our conversation. We're praying. Prayer's not just, okay, everybody bow their head and close their eyes. As a matter of fact, Hebrew prayer is lifting up, and, and op- this, that's where the hand raising came from, not music and what we call praise. The lifting up of hands is actually how they prayed. This is how they prayed. How, are, how do American Christians pray? The exact opposite. The exact opposite. Yeah. I don't know the outcome or, you know, the dynamics of that. I'm sure some, just like always, some people do and some people don't. And then they start their own denomination and their own church. That's kind of how, that's just kind of how that works. Yes. Yep, Second Thessalonians is what it says. That, that will be, people will be deceived. Why? Because they fail to be lovers of the truth. Love the truth. Yep. Now, what I'm not saying is every time, you know, you go to coffee with a friend and you're hanging out and talking, it's all prayer. I'm not saying that. And that's another that's the way we pray, because because this was and and it can't you know, that can be prayer. But I'm not saying it's a either or type of thing, because there's so many different types of prayer. There's different times of prayer. We all need to be praying and having our own personal communication with the Lord with our, our friends, our, our small group, our congregation, whatever it might be. There's supplication, there's, you know, asking, there's talking, then there's decreeing what God has to say. There's all forms, just like there's all forms of communication 
with humans, there's all kinds of uh, different communication. But what I want to interject and bring into this is that it's a very valid within the context of Ecclesia to say, hey, guys, let's let's get together. Let's, they, they didn't. They, it's not even written for us that they opened in prayer. Or closed in prayer. The, the whole prayer's not mentioned in the context of what we think prayer is. Because most of the time when you gather, people will do what? It's, it's, it's customary, not necessarily biblical, but customary to open a group meeting in prayer. And to close it in prayer. Nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. What I'm saying is there, there's not a clear-cut pattern for that in Scripture, especially within context of, of Ecclesia. Because if we're all gathered, I'm bringing the Holy Spirit and so are you. And, and what really helps an Ecclesia function well is, is when the, the members of that Ecclesia are walking with the Lord in intimacy and koinonia. Because then when we gather together, we have something from the Lord. We have something. Or we're so aware of it, He's going to drop something in our hearts in that moment. What? To accomplish His will. Whatever His will is for us and these couple hours that we meet once a week. I love that. That's so good. Now, there's one other aspect I'd, I'd like to talk about for just a couple minutes for the rest of our time together. Um, and this one, it's a tough one, I understand. And um, it's, it's been hard because of the training we've received within this dynamic of church. And, well, I'll get into that. So, and that's this, this concept of worship. The concept of worship. Because when you mention that word, nearly every Christian, and even some that aren't, understand or define worship as music and songs being sung. Am I right in that? Or that's typically like the worship part of the service or okay everybody it's time to worship now or whatever that that mindset is the music and the singing and everything that goes around with it is worship and and that's just not biblical there's no pattern for that as being biblical and that's one of the things i was awakened to a few years ago and when I talk about it, it causes problems and, and misunderstandings. And what I, I want to say is, is I'm not against music. And, I mean, we have a lot. God, God's the creator of music. I mean, we have a book that's called the Song of Solomon. And we have the Psalms that's about music. And we know there's music in heaven. And so I, I'm not against music. I'm not saying what I, I have been awakened to is the use of how we use music and what we call it within the context of our gathering. Because worship, the actual word worship means what? Intimacy with the Lord. 
Even more specifically, it means bowing down before him. That's what the word means. It's a bowing down. There's no definition of the word worship in the original language, Hebrew scripture, that has any meaning to music. It's just not even there. So for us to call music worship is not true and it's not biblical. And what it has done, at least to some degree, from my perspective, is it's isolated people into thinking that the music part is worship and everything else really isn't. Because we call it that. Let's worship. It's time to worship. Oh, and we'll explain the service. Oh, the worship was wonderful. Our lifestyle, everything we do is to be living worship and devotion to the Lord. Everything. We are, we are worshiping Him right at this very moment. Whether we're singing, kneeling, bowing, sitting still, driving a car, at work, making dinner, doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, we are living lives of holy devotion and worship to our King. I don't have to sing to worship. That, that's a church thing. And it's and it's it's caused lots of problems as far as I'm concerned. So bad now that we have you know professional, well done musical, entertainment, emotional experiences in congregations all over. Now one of the things about music that's so powerful is it grabs hold of our emotions. Music can change the way you feel. You can go from sadness to joy by a song in, in no time or vice versa. You can have your dog, your cat, your house and, and uh, your cold beer and lose it all in the next verse. You know, if you like country music. You get... <laughs> so music has the potential to grab us emotionally. It can, it, there's, there's a power in, in music. It's, it's used in marketing. Watch a movie, silent movie, now. It's weird, isn't it? Like when there's no music. Go into a store where there's no music playing at all. Music is used in in so many different ways. Okay? And there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong, it's bad, it's good, it's different. The problem is, is calling it worship and worship only and identifying that way is not biblical and it's not true and it's not even the core of the definition of the word. But there's nothing wrong with having music. Let's put it in its proper place. Then you take Jesus. Now, Jesus is my example, and I really hope he's your example. Every time he preached for three and a half years on earth, he never used music. Not once. At least it's not written for us, which we might as well say he never used it. Because what's written is what we need to know. There's only one time it's mentioned that they sang, they being the twelve in him, sang one hymn, and that was at the last night just prior to his arrest, and left. That was, that's the only time it's mentioned. Now, I don't know about you, but that speaks volumes to me. Because if it was so important, he would have used it. Not only would he have used it, he would have spoken about it. You jump forward six or um, whatever it is, 90 years, 95, whatever, actually 60-some years later, 65, when Jesus speaks to John and has him write the great revelation and those seven letters to all of the ecclesias, not one time is music mentioned, not once, within the gathering. It speaks volumes to me. Now, like I said earlier, He didn't say, when you gather, you have to do this, this, this. And he left a lot of freedom to us in how to structure our gatherings. But he gave us principles that need to be applied within our our gatherings to to accomplish his will and his purpose. And much of what has happened within the church has this church system has got our attention off of pleasing God and pleasing people. And our, our priority, even in all of our life, our whole life, every area of our life, is to be pleasing to Him. When we're pleasing to Him, 
there is a natural consequence we will be pleasing to others. Not all, <laughs> especially the enemies of God. But being pleasing to Him. And what is about, we were talking about faith, and we, I mentioned this earlier, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say it's difficult, it's hard. Impossible to please God. Why do I want to please God? Why are we concerned about pleasing God? Because I love Him. And I want Him to be pleased. I used to drive home from a Sunday morning or sometime I'd preach. And man, I would beat myself up and I wonder what people thought. And that was stupid and all this stuff. And then I changed. And now I don't even talk about it at all unless the Lord wants to talk to me about something. I changed and I said, Lord, what was your opinion? Were you pleased this morning? Were you pleased yesterday? Are you pleased with what I'm doing now? Because his opinion is the only one that really matters. But you have to be open to say, you know what, Joe, let's make this correction. And it might come from your wife when you get home. And it does sometimes. Or a friend. Or somebody sends a text. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's being, a, but it's being, because the audience we live should be a, before the audience of one. Because that's the one I want to please. That's the one we want to please. And, and when this life is over, we're not standing together. I'm standing alone before him. And what he has to say at that time is what matters. So let's live that way now. Because what he has to say now is what matters. Period. No matter what the fruit or consequences of the result might happen. So, let's go back to the music thing real quick. And I am so grateful for our team, Jay and Lori and Brenda and, and Janice. And we've had all kinds of different bands and all kinds of different teams and music over the years. We've run the whole gamut. But I, I specifically called these out because they haven't quit with all of the stuff I'm getting and talking about with when it comes to worship and music and praise. We've, we've had discussions. It's hard to, you know, at first it was hard to explain what you don't know. All I know is this, and I don't know how to really explain it, you know. And so it's gotten easier. The Lord has given us more and more direction in, it, in, 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 in all of that. But as you know, our focus is not music. And that should be obvious to those of you that have been here more than once by now. That's not our focus. Our focus is to be on the Lord and what is he saying? And it's using music and their wonderful voices and singing as part of that whole conglomeration of God. What are you communicating? It is a time that we come together, whether you're standing, kneeling or sitting, is, is, is we come and we, we just say, Lord, what are you saying right now? Whether you're singing along, clapping along, whatever it might be, or singing your own song. Father, what are you communicating? There's some stuff he communicated through some songs today. I don't always pick that up, but he was, at least to me personally. There's some things, there was a, a bunch communicated through some of the, the things that were said by others today. You see what I'm saying? And so we have the microphones there to do what? For you to, to get to one of them and just speak what you're hearing, whether it's one word, a sentence. I've had the Lord, I, I can't sing very well, I'll just admit it. When, before my voice changed when I was 12, I used to sing in a choir at church when I was really young, and I was a soprano. And when my voice changed, there was, I couldn't change, sing, I couldn't even sing. My, like, my voice is all over the place. That's just naturally just what happened. But I said that to say, there has been times years ago, the Lord gave me a prophetic word to sing, and I did it. I didn't like it. So maybe the Lord gives you that the means by which it comes is not as important as it comes. But maybe the Lord wants you to sing it. Or it comes from a scripture, people getting up and reading a scripture. Or the Lord's dropped a prayer. Man, if there is any time in our history since I've been alive, we need these elements now. 
We need to know what God is saying so we can do our part and pray and prophesy the will of God. And sometimes the will of God is not what we like. Sometimes it, it will cause suffering and hardship. One of the churches, I can't recall it right off the top of my head, Jesus wrote in those seven letters, he said, You're about, some of you are about to be thrown in prison. He didn't say, oh, get together. You better pray and, you know, fast and, and do all these things so that doesn't happen. He goes, nope. You're going to get thrown in prison. Stand strong. Yeah, that gets people excited. You get the amens on that, that, kind, of, that kind of stuff. So, just a little bit more on the ecclesia and stuff that we're doing. One last thing that I'd like to, to speak. Through all of this political experience I'm getting, because it's a whole different avenue for me for the last year and a half, the Lord has been showing me things in a different way or applying it in different, I don't even know how to put words to that. Without the experience, I guess that experience has opened up some other things that the Lord has showed me and and I'm not talking about good or bad, but just, yeah, here, I'll narrow it down. Some things that are really on his heart. You see what I'm saying? Like, that I wouldn't have otherwise. Even though, you know, I've talked about politics and encouraged, you know, information, encouraged voting, all these kinds of things, and activism. But personally, being more involved in running... And, and being aware of what God is, is saying to me, he's been showing me things that are really, on, in that realm, things that are on his heart. And you might have heard me say this once, but I want to say it again. It came to me while we were taking that time this morning. That is a reoccurring thing that just keeps coming up. And I might open this up with a question. So our country, was it formed by men or by God? It was by God through men that established this country. Now the principles that this country is established on, did that come from men or did it come from God? That came from God. The freedoms and liberty that we enjoy, did that come from men or did that come from God? That's God all the way. The freedom to speak. The freedom to protect ourselves. The freedom to assemble together. The freedom to petition our government. All of these freedoms. And the liberty... Because freedom, you can be free internally. That's what freedom is. Freedom is an internal thing. Liberty is an external. I have the freedom to buy property and to own it and to take care of it. I have the freedom to move about. I can travel from one state to the other, coast to coast, internationally. That's having liberty. To being able to have that freedom externally. Because you could be truly free and be in prison and can't go anywhere. But you can still be free, but you don't have liberty. Those all came from God. And here's something the Lord just really, really impressed on me. Joe, these are mine. I gave them to you and to this country and everybody that lives in this country. And they don't just affect this country. It affects the entire globe. These freedoms I gave for, here's the word, for you to steward The holy responsibility has so increased because they're His. We can talk about stewardship in the church context. My money is His. My house is His. But this is so much larger. So, so much larger. These freedoms. I mean, you just think about and I'm not saying America has done everything perfect all through its history, but you think about the missionaries, the money, the 
helping, the, the missionaries that have launched from this nation, the freedom of the gospel in this nation, the creativity that is unleashed, the entrepreneurialism that is unleashed, that people in other countries, let's say Iran and North Africa and China, cannot, have no way to truly experience. What if this country existed no more? I don't know, but I liken it to when the Christians are taken off this earth. The effect that it will have. So that's my stance because that's what God is engraving in my heart. These freedoms and liberty are His. And He freely, lavishly gave them to us. And this is my time. I'm alive now. You're alive now. And we're going to be, I know I'm going to be held responsible for what I did and didn't do by following Him to preserve and steward what He gave. That's why this is important to me. I just want you to know that. I don't know that I would have come to that without being so involved in politics that I am now. And that's just one thing. There's many others, but that's one thing I wanted to tell you. Why I believe this is so crucial and so important. Not just me winning, but, but having good men and women with character and principles in offices at all levels all across our nation. And it... And it saddens me to no end that the so-called church is so quiet and won't talk about it and won't engage. Amen. That's right. Amen. Except me. I'd be the only one to be able to stop it. Amen. Love you guys. So appreciate your friendship, your relationship, your input, all of those things. Those of you that are not feeling well, maybe dealing with a sickness or disease, I want to pray for you and speak to your body. Body, you be whole and you be complete the way God created it to be and to function in every level. Hearts, I want to speak to your heart. You've got any heart issue, going, a physical heart, not a spiritual heart necessarily. But heart, blood pump. You come into alignment now and you function. You beat appropriately. You pump the amount of blood that you were designed to pump. I speak life to that heart pump in Jesus' mighty name. Every organ, internal organ, whether it be a liver or kidneys, specifically kidneys. Kidneys, I speak to you. You function. You operate. You come back to life and flow as you were designed to. Liver, you filter the toxins. Filter now in Jesus' name. Mm. Thank you, Lord. And any other ailment, Father, I thank you that you have already, it is a finished work of the cross that you have provided for our healing in every manner, all three parts of our being, spiritual, mental, and physical. Thank you so much. And I just decree over this congregation when it is time for us to breathe our last that each individual will do just that. They will lay down and breathe their last and move in an instant from this place to the next. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Football started. Just kidding. <laughs>